Welcome to New Hope's teaching podcast. This is an excerpt from our Sunday morning service. Visit newhopepdx.org teaching for notes, worship, and church announcements. Stay up to date with our teaching series and events by downloading our app. Just text New Hope PDX app to 77977. Enjoy this week's lesson. Hi, everyone. Welcome. I'm Denise Douglas. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope Church. Hey, I grew up on a farm in Colorado. We raised a variety of crops and a boatload of animals. My maternal grandparents were farmers and my paternal grandparents were ranchers. So I can relate to a good farm story or a good farm joke. You probably know the one that compares the contribution of a chicken to a breakfast of eggs and bacon to the contribution of a pig to that same breakfast, right? The chicken contributes but walks away unscathed, but the pig is fully invested. I think bacon has earned its right spot in the spotlight. We are walking through a series in the Gospel of John called Encountering Jesus. And through the, se- the sermons in this series, we have watched Jesus take the elemental things of life, things like light and water and bread, and turn them into windows of understanding to help his community understand who he is and his identity in this world. When I was a little girl on that farm in Colorado, I begged my dad to get a lamb to get some sheep because I just thought they were so much cuter than cows. And dad wasn't keen on the idea because cattle farmers and sheep farmers, uh, they're just at odds because sheep and cows graze differently. It's always something, isn't it? That's just kind of another story for another day. In today's scripture passage, Jesus takes the image, the world of sheep and shepherds, to give his listeners yet another window into who he is. I've asked Jerry Davison to read the scripture passage for us today, found in John 10, verses 7 through 21. It actually starts in verse 1, but to save time, I'll just have him read the section that is actually the explanation of the parable he has just shared with his people. Our scripture reading is John 10, verses 7 through 21. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as a father knows me and I the father, and I lay down my life 
of the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of a blind? This is a word of the Lord. Thank you, Jerry. In first century Palestine, where Jesus's earthly ministry took place, shepherding was a common profession. Not a glamorous one, not one that incurred bragging rights, but it was a profession that most people were very familiar with. The awesome thing about sheep, as we've heard in the scripture, is that they recognize the voice of the shepherd and follow where he leads. Now, as a farmer's daughter, a cattle farmer's daughter, I really appreciate that about sheep because it means no branding. I hated branding, Dane. It clearly was painful for the little calves. And I just got to tell you that the smell of burning hair and burning flesh is really disgusting. So sheep don't need a brand because they have voice recognition abilities. And this is how they get them. The Middle, the Middle Eastern Shepherd is known even to this day as uh, having a, a very special personal devotion to his or her flock. Now, let me just pause for a moment and give you a, a little bit of sheep trivia. Where do we find, or shepherding trivia, where do we find the first reference to a female shepherd in scripture? I thought it was Moses's wife, but no. Rachel is the first shepherd that we meet when she's hanging out, taking her father's sheep to the to the pasture and to the well, she meets Jacob, her man at that well. And I thought, oh, well, you know, there's another matchmaking opportunity for John to use. A couple of weeks ago, he talked about recommending gathering at wells. And now maybe we can recommend people, you know, if you're looking, if you're interested in meeting someone special, you might consider shepherding. Uh, we could create an app, perhaps a dating app called Crazy About Use. Okay, I heard you groaning even online today. <laughs> Shepherds train their sheep to recognize their voice by talking to their sheep, by singing over them. And some will carry a small flute and play a repetitive tune over and over so that their sheep learn to immediately recognize when the shepherd is calling them to follow. And during that time, that came in really handy because several families would keep all of their herds in a sheep pen together. So if a shepherd wanted to pull his sheep out of the herd, he would simply come to the, come to the pen and he would begin to make that repetitive sound or play that uh, tune on his flute. And then all the sheep would play, name that tune. And the sheep that could name that particular tune would line up and follow the shepherd out into the pasture. So much better than branding. 
Since John chapter 5, we have watched Jesus use the Jewish festivals, again, something so familiar to his community, to teach them about his identity. He's, we've watched him do it with the Sabbath, with Passover. Uh, last week, I think it was with the Feast of Tabernacles. And now today here in John chapter 10, the festival being celebrated that week is Hanukkah, also known as the Festival of Lights. Hanukkah is the only uh, commemoration of an event that happened intertestamental between the Old Testament and the New Testament, that 400 year gap when we just don't have a lot of information. But this one festival celebrates that uh, there, uh, an event called Hanukkah. And let me tell you a little bit about that. During that time in Israel's history, there was a failure of leadership in Israel. Alexander the Great had conquered that whole region, including uh, Jerusalem was part of that region he had conquered. And over about a 150 year period, Israel just began to adopt numerous Greek cultural and religious habits. Many of their priests and their prophets became corrupt and contributed to the demise of the Jewish temple worship. It all came to a terrible climax when Greek soldiers desecrated the holy temple with pig's blood. They outlawed Jewish ritual. They burned scriptural scrolls and erected a pagan idol in the temple. What Hanukkah celebrates is the victory of a priestly family, the Maccabees, many of you have probably heard that name, who led Israel to reclaim and rededicate the temple and their worship around 160 BC. Now, why am I telling you all of this? Because John 10 occurs right at the time all the Jewish people were celebrating Hanukkah and every year, even to this day, today in synagogues, Ezekiel 34 will be read during Hanukkah. And it is a powerful criticism of false shepherds. So the same week that Jesus gives his sermon on the good shepherd, synagogues where every good Jew would have been during that week sometime, they would have heard Ezekiel 34 being read. They did not want to forget that part of their history. So let's take just a, a quick look at a snippet of Ezekiel 34. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, you clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. And after that stinging rebuke of many of Israel's leaders, God continues with a contrast. And he says, I, I will find my sheep. I will rescue them. I will bring my sheep home safely. I will give them good pasture. I will search for those who are lost, and I will look for the ones who have strayed. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. 
Most of our Bibles, whether it's uh, online, on your phone, on your app, or in our hard copy, give Ezekiel 34 the same title that John 10 gets. It's entitled, The Good Shepherd. Jesus' listeners would have immediately recognized the connection between his teaching and that of the, of the prophet Ezekiel. Jesus identifies three types of workers in John 10 involved in the welfare or demise of God's sheep. Number one, there are thieves and robbers. Their clear intention is to bring harm to the flock. They see the opportunity to use and to abuse the sheep, and they are not to be trusted. All, Jesus said, who came before him who claimed to be the Messiah fell into that category. So do the false prophets and the false priests fall into the category of thieves and robbers. Then there are hired hands. Now, a hired hand does not necessarily come in with evil intention. They have simply been hired to do a job. They may like their work. They may even like the sheep. But if push comes to shove and their welfare is pitted against the welfare of the sheep, guess who's going to come in second? If we think about this John 10 passage in relationship to human shepherds, and Jesus makes that connection here, that's not going outside of the passage, then there are things we need to consider. Even today, believe it or not, there are those who fall into the category of thieves and robbers. Men and women in ministry, men and women in other helping and serving professions who are not to be trusted. They should be able, they should be trustworthy. We think they're trustworthy. We would hope so, but they are not. And they see advantages, opportunities to take advantage, to use the flock to use people for their own advantage, for their own gain, whether that's financial gain, ego promotion, or even worse, perversions. For others, pastoring and serving professions is just kind of a job to pay the bills. As long as they get out of it what they need, they'll contribute, kind of like the chicken at the beginning of, of the sermon. They'll contribute but it's not going to cost them much. The good news is, church, and I absolutely believe this is still true, the majority of human shepherds love the flock they serve and have a high sense of responsibility to their welfare. But if we can, I just, I just want to say this, but even, even among the best of human shepherds, none are called to be, and none are the Good Shepherd, capital G, capital S. This has been a tough year across the board, and pastors are not immune to the things that plague the sheep, because we too are sheep. Many I have watched have stuck out this year across the United States, across the world, because they do care. But just lately, in this last month or so, it seems every single week I hear of another pastor leaving the pastorate. In many cases, it's due to burnout, 
There's just so much mental and physical and emotional fatigue, either for themselves or their families, and they absolutely need that time to recover and tend to the flock closer to home. New Hope, you are a deeply loved flock. But I think everybody on staff would just want to be honest and say that, that John and Hannah and Mike and myself and all of our staff were mere human beings also deeply in need of the Good Shepherd. We are here for you. And together, we can learn to discern the voice of the Good Shepherd that will lead us forward. Years ago, I did a study on the shepherding image in connection to God throughout scripture. And I was surprised how many times it shows up. It's far uh, more extensive than just Psalm 23 and John 10. It begins, the first reference is in Genesis, and the last one is in Revelation, and so many in between. And whenever we, we read of God as a shepherd, here are the most common themes that scripture brings to the forefront. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He heals the injured. He carries them close to his heart. And he gently leads those who have young. John in John, or Jesus in John 10 has set up a contrast. There are the robbers, the thieves, the hired hands, but thanks be to God, there is also this good shepherd. Let's review these key verses in John 10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, this is Jesus speaking, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me, just as my father knows me, and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Of all of the images that John walks us through, helping us to understand Jesus, this is the one that is the most the most relational, the most intimate. You probably remember in The Wizard of Oz when, when Toto pulls back the curtain, revealing that small, frantic man behind the booming voice, right? Jesus in this passage has, has pulled back the curtain on Israel's leaders, and he reveals their spiritual smallness, their egocentric ways, and in some cases their evil intent. But before the people lose hope, discouraged that they don't have the kind of leaders that they can trust, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the shepherd who loves the sheep. I am the shepherd who will lay down my life before I let my sheep come to harm. And while the thief steals and destroys, Jesus gives life comes to give it in its richness and full satisfaction. Where do we find that kind of life, rich and satisfying? It's always found in relationship. That's where it rests. Jesus actually steps out of the parable that he's telling for a moment and speaks directly of the relationship between him and the Father, 
And the, the startling revelation in this passage is that he welcomes us right into the circle of that relationship. He says, I know my sheep and they know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I, I, I read that this week and I thought, wait, what? Is Jesus really saying that I can know Jesus the way the Father knows Jesus? And I believe the answer is yes, because we hear Jesus' incredible desire to welcome his followers into that intimate relationship. We see it echoed again right before the crucifixion in John chapter 17. He prays in that prayer, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. How? As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I am in them and you are in me. Jesus has said that the sheep will know the shepherd's voice, right? And now we learn that this knowledge is mutual and extensive. The Greek word for know used right here, uh, well, anywhere the word for know is used in the New Testament, it takes its meaning by the words that it is paired with. And it can just mean come to know, it can be purely a head knowledge of someone, but the word that's used in the pairing in this passage means to come to understand. So Jesus and his sheep don't just have some head knowledge about one another, but they have an experiential knowledge. The sheep understand Jesus, and Jesus understands the sheep. They get each other. They know each other's habits, each other's hearts, each other's intentions. I don't think we've scratched the surface of the intimacy we have been invited into in the relationship with the Father, with the Son, through the Holy Spirit. We are on an incredible adventure with a good shepherd who loves us, who protects us, who searches for us when we get off track and when we get lost. We're on an adventure with a good shepherd who provides a rich and satisfying life, and rich as in deep, joyful, meaningful, full of purpose. So my sheep friends, I guess the question is, are we equipped with voice recognition? I've told the Mount Scott flock before that I love to hear their voices. My heart always jumps if I'm working in my office, working away, and all of a sudden I hear a voice and I just kind of leap for joy because, oh, I hear, I know the Didi's in the building or I know Jerry Causey or Bob Allen or so many others. And I, I don't have to see them. I hear their voice. I know they're present. And I'm filled with joy. I look so forward to getting to know and recognize so many more voices in this merged church. But the reason I recognize those voices so quickly is because I have spent so much time with them throughout the years. The more time we spent in the presence of the Good Shepherd we can begin to so quickly discern when it is his voice that we hear or when it is that of an imposter. We don't need to learn the voice 
of the enemy. Do you know that? You don't need to worry about recognizing the voice of the enemy because when you're listening to that voice, which you don't want to do, all it's going to bring into your life is confusion and shame and division. But listening consistently to the voice of Jesus, being in the Gospels, being in the Word, sitting quietly in the presence of the Good Shepherd is how we come to have voice recognition. Listening also to voices that we trust, ones that, that sing the tune of Jesus consistently, whose lives bear the fruit of having been led by the voice of the shepherd is how we begin to develop voice recognition. And the more that we develop voice recognition, the quicker we will recognize which voices give life and which will destroy life. And I think today that is such a critical skill set because our world is noisy. Everywhere people are speaking, lots of places people are just shouting on social media, radio talk shows, podcasts, books flying off the shelves. And how do we know which voices we should listen to, which voices we can trust? Back in my late teens, and this is a little embarrassing, I remember being fascinated with the voice and the words and the teaching of Hal Lindsey. Anybody remember him with all his predictions and theories about end times and world leaders and nations? And he was pretty convinced that the world would end sometime in the 1980s. And I was buying it hook, line, and sinker. And boy, my parents... I don't even know why I can't even think back why I would have been so fascinated because my church did not teach that and they were not Hal Lindsey fans. Maybe that's why, because they weren't as a teenager I decided to be. But here's what happened. First of all, yes, my parents were concerned and they listened to me and they talked with me about it. But it was over time, the thing that I learned was to observe the lifestyle, observe the lives of the loud, pervasive voices and persuasive voices, especially those claiming to speak for God. What fruit is their life bearing? Are they kind people? Are they, are they loving? Are they open to correction? Are they humble? Do they live consistently led by the shepherd? This week in, in staff meeting, Hannah led devotions out of Philippians 4, 4 through 8. And it's such a good example of a passage. And there are so many that will train us to in, in help us develop voice recognition of the Good Shepherd. I'm just going to pull one verse out of that passage, which is Philippians 8, because it tells us to fix our thoughts and we can say for our message today to tune our ears to what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. So my friends, ask yourself, is the voice in your ear, the voice you are letting influence the way you live your life, is it reputable? Is it authentic and humble? Is it compelling? Is it gracious? Does it encourage you toward peace and justice? In other words, does it sound 
like the God who shepherds his flock. The voice that binds wounds doesn't create them. The voice that seeks out the hurting and the lost and the injured. So many people, I feel like, who have grown up in the church still have uh, this, this image of God as a wrathful father, a judge waiting for a misstep. My head can tell me that at times, too. But experientially, and that's what Jesus says, my sheep know me, and that means experientially. Let me tell you what I've experienced through the years, through the decades of knowing Jesus. When I have struggled with shame in my life, with broken places that I cannot fix, when I struggle with sin I cannot conquer when I blow it again in a way that I said I wouldn't, there's a voice. There's a voice that gets loud in those moments, and it says, you're a failure. You are no good at life. You're incompetent as a Christian, as a pastor, as a wife, as a mother. But thanks be to God. The voice recognition of the Good Shepherd developed in my life through the decades because I'm almost 60 years old. And I, I celebrate that because what I have learned experientially is that in those moments, Jesus has sat there with me in the pain. He has been a somber and even sorrowful companion, honoring the pain and acknowledging and receiving the repentance of my heart. And his voice has always been tender and it has always spoken truth. I think it's important to say in those moments, he has not, does not try to cheer me up or downplay my brokenness, but he has loved me. And metaphorically, he has placed a hand on my shoulder. He has cupped my chin and reminded me, I will heal you. I will make all things right. The good shepherd, my friend, will never verbally beat you up. So I ask you again this morning, is the voice you're listening to, is it honoring? honoring? Is it loving? Is it gracious? If it is, keep listening. Let's pray together. Our loving Lord, there are so many voices today clamoring for our attention, and many of them sure seem that they come from the enemy. We see our friends and our family members and our loved ones torn to pieces at times by the inner voice. And our prayer this morning is that we would first allow ourselves to be trained in voice recognition of the shepherd, and that we would then share it with others, that they might know when it is the shepherd speaking and when it is a thief and a robber or just a hired hand. We thank you, Lord, for being the one who seeks us out, who binds our wounds, and above all, who lays down his life that we might take ours up. In Jesus' loving name, amen.